I look at some of the free agents that people talk about and, and that are linked to the Rockets. And I think about, you know, Dylan Brooks's name comes out there. And I saw Kyle Kuzma's name come out there. And we, we've thrown around some of these names already. I think I want to say we've thrown out pretty much every name that you could at this point because we already knew who the free agents were going to be. The only difference now and what makes it more timely and relevant is that we have a better sense for what the team is going to look like because we know the players that they've drafted and we have a pretty good sense for James Harden not being there, right? So I, I think about, you know, them talking about a guy like, uh, like like Kyle Kuzman, a guy like Dylan Brooks, who Dylan Brooks, I'm I'm completely out on, even though I understand the appeal of him as a player, as a defender. But I'm like, man, you've got all of these wings that are young and have potential. KJ Martin, you might trade, but then what if you don't? What if you want to keep KJ Martin and you've got some hodgepodge of young players that's got KJ Martin in it, and, and and you're good with the with the free agent picks or with the free agent uh, slide there, Austin. But you got KJ Martin. Uh, you've got Jabari Smith, you know, uh, some variation of a three, four, five combo, right? KJ Martin, Jabari Smith, Tari Eason, Cam Whitmore. And then, of course, you've got Alperin Shingun that plays the five that can play the four and play with Jabari Smith here and there, you know, or, and I know they've started together. So it's like you've got this combination of guys. I don't. I don't know when I look, and then of course you've got wings too, obviously with Jalen Green and, and, and Kevin Porter Jr. on the team. Like, I'm thinking, what, what do you do? You really need Dylan Brooks? Like, I, I, I'm not sure if a wing is like the best target. I know they said they weren't looking at specific positions, but how would you prioritize this thing? Is what I'm asking. Like, is there should it even be about hey, let's look at bigs, let's look at point guard. Uh, or or should it be more about, hey, let's just look at the best players? Because that's how I looked at it. You know, I kind of got some flack for saying I'd rather have Kyle Kuzma over Dylan Brooks. but and, and I get that Dylan Brooks is a better defender than Kyle Kuzma, but Kyle Kuzma is just a better overall player than Dylan Brooks to me. So I, I didn't think that that was a ridiculous take. But but how, how would you prioritize this thing? Like, how should the Rockets be approaching this after finding out exactly who they're going to draft or who they've drafted and, and kind of understanding now that the Harden thing has kind of passed us by. So I think I look at it, I think I look at it this way. I would value adults, guys who you can count on and rely on and who you know are going to be good people, both in your locker room and on the floor. And you don't have to worry about, you know, they're going to be mature adults because on this team, I think they, they really need that. And they need smart players who are going to be able to, to help in that regard. So I think that's first and foremost. Then I do think you get into some positional stuff. I do think that they need a point guard. They need to add a point guard. Some I don't know if it necessarily has to be a guy who can start, but they need someone who can be one of their top two point guards. So whether it's come in and you know start in front of Kevin Porter Jr. and let Porter come off the bench or have Kevin Porter Jr. start and go find a backup for him, I think that that is important. And then I, I do think that they need to add a big Um what you know, whether it's a starter, whether it's somebody, they, they need a defensive presence, I think, at that position. That doesn't mean that Alperin Shindun can't play for you at all, but for you know, it, it's very difficult to defend at a high level when you don't have a presence defensively at that position. It's just very, very difficult. And the guys that they had out there playing the five most of the time last year, we're talking Shingun, not a presence on that end of the floor. Usman Garuba could do a, could do some things, but he's undersized for that position. So he's not somebody that you're really worried about. So they need to go get somebody who can be 
a uh, a threat, I guess, defensively at the five. And then the third thing that I'm looking at is shooting. If you can shoot, come on down. If you can't shoot, we're good. So the, yeah. whole, so the Dylan Brooks thing, I, I don't, you know, they have enough guys who can't shoot. Like, Thank they you, got, they, Adam. They got, they got, my man, that, this is why you are my guy. I'm like, okay, am I am I crazy here that we want to? And, and, and give me a, allow me a moment here, Adam, because this Dylan Brooks thing. I'm like, okay, I understand that Rockets fans are desperate for you know uh, pl- players that they know have played meaningful ba- meaningful basketball and some winning basketball, and we've seen Dylan Brooks in some key moments. I, I get it, and he's been a productive player. I get it. But Dylan Brooks, two things about him, can't shoot and doesn't necessarily have the self-awareness or doesn't seem to have the self-awareness to understand that or to know that to, to be a guy who's coming off of a team with Ja Morant and Desmond Bain on it, okay, two proven guys in this league, and to think that he deserved the number of shots that he thought he deserved on that team, imagining him coming to this Rockets team and thinking that he's going to take a back seat and that he's just going to be some defender and that he's not going to feel entitled to a bunch of shots that he shouldn't be taking. I don't, I don't understand like if people haven't been paying attention or watching this guy play or paying attention to his get down, but it's, it's, it's not that Dylan Brooks can't play. It's just that I don't, I don't know. I don't know if he is even, if he's even a better option necessarily than just developing some of the guys that you have, like you've got guys on your team that project to be, perhaps as good as Dylan Brooks or, or or maybe some reasonable facsimile or maybe close to it. Like I'm perfectly fine with Dylan Brooks not taking minutes from Tari Eason or from Cam Whitmore or from guys like that. Even if I would concede that today, right now, he's a better player than them. Like I th- thank you for saying that the part about the fact that he does not shoot well. And this is a team that did not last time I checked shoot. Well, here would be, and I agree with what you just said, but here would be my other concern, I guess, with Dylan Brooks. When the team that drafts you and develops you, when they basically announce right after the season that they're not bringing you back, they're, they, they need, they're not even entertaining the idea of bringing Dylan Brooks back. That should that should raise a whole bunch of red flags right there. The, the team that knows you best said, nope, we're good. We aren't even going to talk about bringing you back. That, sh- that, that should – that's all the red. Those are all the red flags that I need. The team that knows him best basically told you it's not worth it. And so for me, he's a, he's a fine defender. Um, you know, they kind of, I guess they need somebody like that on their roster, I guess, but his holes match what their holes are. And so to me, it just, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. That That's just, that's to me. Um, but we'll see what they decide to do. Um, I needs to say the whole Dylan Brooks thing has been surprising just their reported interest in him. So that, that is a direction that that's a move that I would stay away from. And plus hell the people in, in Memphis who cover him are like, Hey, we're good. You know, you, you guys can have him. Yeah. And so I, when, when the, when, again, when, when the, when the people that know the guy best are just ready to move on, that tells you everything you need to know. All right, so since we're talking about free agents and and Rockets free agency and we've been talking about it for a while, but like I mentioned, okay, what's different now is that we have a better sense 
for the makeup of this team. Man, I wish I had that notebook where I was scribbling down. I got in a really nerdy mode. We had, we didn't do this podcast as early as we had planned to earlier in the week, but I have been like scribbling notes of lineups and rotations and who's left. And, and since we mentioned it, we didn't get to this news item, but along with the KJ Martin extension, or I'm sorry, not extension, but picking up his option, I should say, they uh, they also decided to to cut to cut ties with uh, with Dacian Nix. We should mention that at the very least, and and I say that to to kind of bring us back into our free agency conversation. What would you say? Let's just do it like this. Is there a? I, I won't call it a wish list because I I don't think we have like like we really like care what they do. We're just gonna see it and evaluate it for whatever they do. But if you if you would, were prioritizing free agents and even understanding that it takes two to tango, you can't, you know, you can't just make a guy come here, right? You can't just make somebody uh, be on the team. But in my mind now, I, I've made it to where, I don't know, when we were having this discussion weeks ago, I didn't necessarily need no Fred Van Vliet. I was good on that. And, and Brooke Lopez, I was sort of you know indifferent about uh but but now i'm all of a sudden like really really high on i'm like i think dylan uh, i'm sorry i I think uh i think brooke lopez could help the rockets a great deal um i pose this question on twitter let's let's do it like this i pose this question on twitter if if the rockets don't get and we already seem to understand that they're not gonna probably not gonna end up with james harden but if the Rockets don't get, let's say, James Harden, and I'm, I'm making this my, you know, let's call them the top three free agents that they could have gotten. James Harden, Fred Van Vliet, and Brooke Lopez. What what direction do they go in with this money? It, whether it be, and, I, and, and with that question, I said, keep in mind trades as an as another way to take on salary or to bring in players to, or taking on salary as another way to uh you know to to maneuver here what is the route if they don't get say the ideal free agent target is there still a way uh my point is i, I feel like while this isn't a free agent class that has that's that's super top heavy that has that star that you just gotta go get it does feel like there's some depth here of at least players that can help you play winning basketball. And as you and I have talked about a lot on this podcast, start to play more meaningful games. How would you approach that? So I think that you, you absolutely have to go after a point guard. So if you miss out on Van Vliet and Harden, uh, I I would hope that they don't take the meeting with Kyrie Irving, but we'll have to wait and see on that. Then there are other point guards that you can go to. I think Gabe Vincent would help them. I think that he, he could be somebody that you could target. Obviously, it would not certainly cost as much as somebody like Van Vliet, but I do think that's somebody that you could look at. Um, if you wanted to go a little bit cheaper, Pat Beverly, Austin Rivers, guys like that, again, they're not, those aren't sexy moves. Those aren't moves that are going to put you over the top, but those are professionals who know how to play. And again, that's also what they need. So not only do they need good players, they need guys who can simply help them. So I, I don't think that they, if they miss out on all their top targets, they don't have to go and spend all that money. Like you can, like you said, you can use that cap space for other things. Um, if they miss out on Lopez, I, I, I really like Jakob Pertl. Um, he he is not a sexy player. He does nothing sexy on the floor. He is not going to blow you away with anything. But he is a pain defensively. Like he is just going. He's just in the way. He is always in the way, and they know it because they played yep, him. Yep, yep. Because when he was with the Spurs, we just Rockets fans should know, and, and the Rockets themselves should know that firsthand, right? 
he he is going he is a he's not a shot blocker per se, but he is a rim protector. He is plays big. Plays yeah. big is probably the best way to put it. And he I think he's a little bit more skilled than people give him credit for. So if you don't get Brooklyn and he's not gonna he's not gonna shoot. I mean, I, I guess that's kind of the one thing that you miss with him is that he's not the shooter that somebody but like Brooke Lopez is, but man, he's a whole lot younger. And so I think that you kind of have, you know, if you need defense on that end of the floor, then that's somebody that you could really, that could be helpful. I don't know if he could play with Shingun, but, you know, you try and figure that whole thing out later. So somebody like, so somebody like Pirtle, I mentioned, you know, Gabe Vincent, who, uh, if you really want to, you know, save some money, then you go the Rivers and, and Pat Beverly route. I think Rivers for sure would probably be interested in coming here. Um, so there are other ways that you can spend your money, but, but then you can also be a little bit, you know, you can be predators with the cap space and there are going to be teams who are going to be looking to get off of contracts and you can help those teams out. Like we're talking about Philly trading Harden. Well, what if they want to create cap space by trading Tobias Harris? You know, that, that would make some sense for them to where, Hey, maybe you do KJ Martin for Tobias Harris and a future first round pick. Mm. You know that if you're if you're the Rockets, you might be able to hold out and get a little bit more, but it makes sense for Philly because they get off the the Tobias Harris contract. They also get a trade exception, and so they create a little bit of cap space. They get the trade exception, and so now they have a few more ways to make their team better. So there are going to be teams that either are trying to create, you know, like the Knicks with Evan Fournier. You know, Evan Fournier is not going to help the Rockets, but if you can, you know if you can carve him into your cap space and get a couple get a first round pick or maybe a couple first round picks or an asset here an asset there then again that's a way to use your cap space moving forward so spending the money yeah that that's certainly an option but there are more ways to skin this cat you can do there are you have you know the 66 million or whatever it's going to turn out being you have so many options with that if you do miss out on on your target so if you don't get Fred Van Vliet you know, that doesn't mean you have to go pay $80 million for two years for the next point guard on the list. You know, you can be a little bit more creative with this. So it, my, my, I guess my fear with them would be they feel like that they have to spend the money. You don't have to spend it. It's good to spend it because you need to get better next season, but be smart about the way that you spend it. Am I crazy for Evan already envisioned and playing? I feel like they could play winning basketball with Fred Van Bleet and Brooke Lopez. And I know I asked you about what should they do if they can't get those guys, but I want to kind of explain why I've sort of sold myself on that fit. It's because, first of all, with Fred Van Bleet, I think he's, you know, a professional winning point guard, perhaps not worth 40 plus million dollars, but worthwhile on your team nonetheless. Like, like worthy of having on your team can get you double, can get you close to 20 points a game and, and certainly run your offense and is an adult in the room and brings that that leadership would would fit i think the exact type of culture and set the exact type of tone that this team either is or at the very least should be trying to set so i'm all for that that's that that that's the thing with fred van vliet but then with brooke lopez i was able to sell myself on that too because i do think he could play with alperin shingun you know i've seen a lot of conversation of Hey, I don't know if I'm interested in Brooke Lopez unless he's willing to come off the bench. And I wouldn't be feeling comfortable watching Alperin Shingun come off the bench behind Brooke Lopez. And I don't think Brooke Lopez would be comfortable coming behind coming off the bench for Alperin Shingun and all of this kind of stuff. And I don't know, maybe, maybe not. But I don't 
I'm not like super opposed to those to those guys at times, at least being on the floor together. The issue comes where like neither of those guys do you really want doing a whole bunch of garden on the perimeter. And so, you know, ideally they would be guarding the same guy. So who do you hide and how do you hide them? Right. Like it becomes a numbers game defensively of, hey, they just probably can't play together defensively, even if they work beautifully together offensively. But that's the part of it I've been able to sell myself on is, you know, Shingun in the high post or in the low post or just doing Shingun things. And then Brooke Lopez just kind of hanging out uh, at the basket, uh, you know, finding himself around the rim, uh, putbacks, just being big. Brooke Lopez has always done a good job of being very tall and shooting. And then on the defensive side, he can be, you know, he can be your big. But then what exactly are you doing with Shingun? Because normally you hide him on a big or you know a, 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 an ineffective wing or hopefully there's a four out there that's not a score it just doesn't really work defensively really it's kind of harder to do but i still sold myself on it anyway am i am i crazy am i ridiculous to think that these guys could at least in spots play together and at the very least maybe tell me this this is another part of the question a branch off the question jabari smith is kind of a wild card here like how versatile is he exactly like, is he a guy that can really play at a high level all the way from the wing, from, you know, from three to five, you know, or is he really just a, a four, small ball five? How much three can he play? Like, I don't know. Like, I'm I'm, I'm wondering if, if he is as versatile of a defender as you hope he is, and then Brooke Lopez can guard your big, I don't know. Maybe there's a way to hide Shingun defensively. I've tried to. I've tried to do some mental gymnastics with this to make this work. Am I crazy or not? I, I do. On the second question, I do think that Jabari probably can guard. I don't know if he can guard ones and twos, but I do think he can guard threes. I think that he. I, I think athletically, he he can do that. Um, and you know, you could probably switch him onto ones and twos if you need to. So I, I don't think that's out of the questions where he could be like a big three. I think that that could actually work out. I don't know about Shingun and Lope. I, I've been thinking about this. I don't know if those two can coexist on the yeah. floor together. Yeah. Um, to me, I, I can see it where you have Shingun kind of in the post and you have Lopez there to space the floor. I, I think that that's kind of Lopez's. Uh, you probably work a little bit better offensively because you saw it work offensively in Milwaukee where you kind of had Giannis as the, as the big four in the post and, you know, and Lopez is there to, to spread the floor. But the problem that you have with that is Shengun isn't very good at finding shooters. And this is something that we've talked about in the past where, you know, he's a very good passer, but he doesn't necessarily find three point shooters. And so that's one area of his game that he really has to work on. Um, I don't know. Defensively. I don't know. Yeah, it looks I, rough. I admit it. It's it, rough. It worked in Milwaukee, but that's because Giannis was there. Right. You know, let's be honest. There's a bit of a gap defensively in between Giannis and Shingun at this point. Now that could always change, but I, I don't see it changing all that much. But so do you I, see? But do you see what I'm saying though? If the gap changes, and look, I'm not putting on Jabari to be Giannis, but that's kind of what I was getting at. There is like, if the if, if there's less of a gap between. Giannis and Jabari is there a, is there a different way to is there a more creative way to hide Shingun if if, if Jabari can do the things that you want Shingun to do probably no, not teams are still gonna find him and then I just worry about the foot speed angle of it too yeah, yeah. because you're you're kind of gonna have like Lopez is a great defender 
but he's kind of a grounded defender, just yeah. really good at being big. So I, I just I, I I find it hard to believe that, especially you know if they play against teams that play big, like I can see that working. But if they're going to play against teams that play more traditional or teams that play small, it's really hard for me to believe that those two could share the floor together and survive defensively. You can give it a shot and maybe you take advantage of teams on the other end of the floor so that maybe you're not giving up that much. But I think that it would be it would be a little clunky, especially in the beginning. Like you would there would be some growing pains early on with that sort of a lineup. But hey, that's why you do it and you have time to experiment with it. So who knows? Yeah. And then worst come to worst, one of those guys comes off the bench. Like, that's another thing. It's as much as one of the guys. Yeah. Or or that. And again, as much as I like Shingoon and as accomplished as Brooke Lopez is, can we be real for a second and acknowledge that neither one of those guys should be above coming off the bench for the other? Like, I don't I don't I don't think I don't think that that's that that's absurd. I get the investment in Shingoon and wanting to instill the confidence in him. And maybe that's maybe it's a logical take to think, okay, well, only Brooke Lopez if he's willing to come off the bench. But like, I don't, I just, I just don't feel like it's a like we're talking about that as respected as these two guys are. They're plus players. I don't think we're talking about that level of player that you know it, it matters which one of those guys were to start. And really, what would matter was which one of those guys fits better at the end of the game. Which one of those guys helps you win? at the end of the game and and that's what it would ultimately come down to but but yeah to uh, the the point being there is worse come to worse okay then they can't play together and let one of the guys come off the bench but they would both play significant minutes it would be it'd be a lot better than let's be honest it'd be a lot better than you know garuba and bruno fernando being your your backup bigs you know uh, either either if you were to put shingun on the bench or if you were to put uh, have Brooke Lopez and come off the bench because he'd still play significant minutes, you know, he, and, and he'd st- and he'd still be able to, uh, you know, to be able to come in there and perhaps at times because uh, because Shingun's going to need to be spelled, you know, so it's not like he wouldn't like he wouldn't play at all. The only thing is, if I'm Brooke Lopez and I was the starting center on a championship team a couple years ago, and yeah. I'm starting center on a team on the team that finished with the best record in the NBA, and I've accomplished what I've accomplished in the league. I'm not going to a team that has won 59 games the last two years and playing behind a 20 year old center yeah. in the second year. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not coming off the bench for that. Yeah. Oh, so well, it, it, it would only have to be if they money whipped him. Right. Like there's, like I, don't, I, I don't even, I don't even think that he would say, Hey, I'm, I'm coming off. I'm, you could, you could give me a full four year max. I'm still not coming off the bench. I don't care because there's, you know, there's probably you know, hell. They, you know, they were starting Daniel Tice. You know, they signed Daniel Tice and basically guaranteed him a starting spot when they signed him. And Daniel Tice hadn't accomplished nearly what, you know, Brooke Lopez has accomplished over the course of his career. So, okay, so so since you're making this point, let me ask you this then. I'm glad you're you're making that point. Let me ask you this before we get into the rookies. We're going to talk about the rookies and we're going to get out of here. But let me ask you this then on Shingun. Let's get uncomfortable for a second. Since the guy's not a two-way player. Just he doesn't really play, and and hopefully he improves on defense, and I think he's made some strides, and and we'll see how things go in year three. But since the guy isn't a two-way player, he's just kind of a really unique offensive player and really fascinating offensive player in in a lot of ways, especially on a team that hasn't had a lot to, to cling to. Let's just put it that way. Is he he above coming off the bench? Is he is, is 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 he above 
being benched for Brooke Lopez is Brooke Lopez is as accomplished as you mentioned. Like you, you didn't say anything incorrect. Brooke Lopez is a champion. Brooke Lopez has played winning basketball for a very long time. Brooke Lopez plays on both ends of the floor. Why exactly, as much as I like Shingun, why why exactly would he be above coming off the bench for, for Brooke Lopez? He shouldn't be. I mean, and I think that was one of the mistakes that they made last year was basically saying, you're our starting center. And what happened? He came into camp out of shape and he wasn't ready to play. And he was so bad that they started Bruno Fernando over him the first two games of the season until Fernando got hurt. So I don't think there, and this was a point that Ime Udoka made on Monday. Like, we're not just handing out minutes anymore. Like, you got to actually earn your minutes at this point. And so that goes, to me, that goes for everyone. And if you are Alperin Shingun, and I, I, this is the thing that I am most interested in seeing once we get into September and the start of training camp. I want to see what type of shape Alperin Shingun is when training camp starts. Because this was his issue last year. And we haven't talked about it on this podcast. I've talked about it on other podcasts. Um, he wasn't ready to play. Like, he came into camp not ready to play. And he was bad, like, flat out. And we, I, we, I, we've definitely we've definitely talked about that on this podcast. But but and, and when I say he was bad, I'm, I'm like selling it short, like how okay. bad he was. And so that's why he did not start. That's why he was coming off the bench to start the season. The hope is that he learned his lesson from that. And he come, you know, I don't think he has any national team commitments. You know, um, Turkey did not make the World Cup. I don't know if they have any role. I don't I don't know if they have any like Olympic qualifiers or anything, you know, that he has to do with the national team. But that's not going to take up a whole lot of his time this summer. So there is no excuse for him to not be in Houston when training camp starts ready to go. And we, I talked about this with him back in April, right before the end of the season. He understands how important this season is for him. Because if you have a great year three, then you set yourself up for that next contract. And I think he knows that. So I want to see him ready to play when the season starts. And then once we actually get into games, I need to see him be better, like just flat out. And I know he does some stuff that a lot of people like, and he does some stuff that's really good on the basketball floor and he could be a winning player, but you see all, I I see, I, I see all the Jokic comparisons and I have ever since he got here, ever since that first summer league game. Like I remember talking to KJ Martin after their very first summer league game in 2021, and we're starting the the Jokic comparisons. It's not Jokic. It's just not like he Jokic does the dirty work. And that's the stuff that Shingu needs to do. Can we get in a defensive stance 75% of the time? Can we can we do that? That's what I need to see from Shingu. Just not even every possession. Just give me three out of four. You give me three, three for me, one for you. All right. You can take off one possession, but give me three. Can we get defensive rebounds? Can we can we box out? He he likes to do the stuff that you know that 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 gets on social media. He loves the behind the back passes. I th- I think that we both agree Jokic is one of the best, probably one of the three best passers in the NBA right now, and that's probably selling him short. Yeah, easily. Go through the go through the finals. How many like holy crap passes did he have in the finals? How how many of his passes in the finals? were all over Twitter. There weren't very many because he just makes the simple, easy pass that creates an open look. There are many times where Shingun, that pass is there, but he doesn't make it. 
and a lot of times it's because he wants to make the great pass. Yeah. So, so he, he wants to hit the home run where the single is just as good in that spot. So these are the improvements that I really need. And, and I hate having to do this because I hate having to pick on the guy because I like him. But you're right, or because or, if it's not the pass or he'll do an unnecessary pump fake and he's trying yes. to do some of his like, you know, some of his post moves that he's got. Like there's a there's a very I, I see what you're getting at. There's a very style over substance element. Hey, let me say that again. There is a very style versus substance style over substance sort of element to Shingun's game that could stand to have some correcting if he's going to be the player that everyone or so many people either think he is or so desperately want him to be. That's a great way to put it. And so when we get into camp and we get into the start of next season, I want to see him get out of that. I want to see him get out of that mindset. Just make the simple play. Make the winning play every single time. It doesn't. The great play isn't necessarily the winning play. Just make the winning play. That's how you win games. When you make winning play after winning play after winning play, you win basketball games. The highlight plays, they're great for the highlights, but they're not necessarily winning games. So you might get that one no-look-behind-the-back pass, and it's going to go all over Twitter, but they don't show you the two that he makes and go out of bounds. So those are the that, that's the sort of stuff that he needs to essentially just eliminate. Like it, it's not you can do it every so often, but if if you are if you have an open three point shooter right there, just like right next to you, get him the ball. Just make that simple pass. And there are too many times you can go watch the video. There are too many times where he's just not even looking at that. And, and we talked about this last year. Um, during that 20-game stretch when Porter didn't play and they weren't creating any three-point shots, it's not that there weren't guys there. It's just that a lot of times Shingun just wasn't making that pass. And I wrote about this at one point. I don't remember what the number was, but a very small percentage of his assists were actually three-pointers. I think it was like 20% of his assists were three-pointers. Like that number needed to be higher, but he's just not looking in that direction. He's looking towards the rim at that sort of a pass. So to me, of all the guys that we're going to talk about, and this will be a conversation that I'm sure we have throughout the summer once we get closer to camp, but he is, this is, this is going to be the most important couple months of his career because if he takes, if he gets some of the bad habits out of his system, he has a chance to be that great player. But if he continues with a lot of the habits that we've seen in his first two years in the NBA, then he's just going to kind of be stuck in that same place. And that's just not going to be winning basketball games. And when, and if he's having to share minutes with a Brooke Lopez or a Yaka Pertle or another center who does those little things, it's going to be hard for him to get on the floor sometimes, I think. And that's the big thing. Like you want to, you want to get on the floor. You have to do all the things that contribute to winning. It's not just the great stuff. It's the little things. And Brooke Lopez has done the little things that contribute to winning because he's been a big part of a championship team. Yaka Pertle, has not won at that same level, but he has done those little things that help you win basketball games. So if those guys are consistently doing that or whoever they get, if they, if they get a center from outside the organization, if those guys are doing those little things, then you need to do those little things. Otherwise you're just not going to play. 